Welcome back to Saturday Night Stories from the University of California, San Francisco, where we take you behind the scenes of some of the most incredible advances happening in health science and healthcare today through deeply personal stories of curiosity, inspiration, and sacrifice. Our storytellers share what it takes to make these breakthroughs possible. I'm your host, Liz Neely. In this episode, we hear from a UCSF professor of medicine who's also an infectious disease physician on the front lines of the COVID-19 response. This is Dr. Peter Chin Hong. I must not have been paying attention the first time she said it, because the flight attendant had this slightly annoyed tone as she tapped me lightly on my shoulder and said, Did you put your phone in airplane mode, sir? The last few minutes had been a daze. I had stumbled into my aisle seat, numb to the smell of the frangipani lays and half-eaten teriyaki chicken around me. The movement of my fellow passengers reduced to a foggy blur of aloha shirts. I was headed home to San Francisco from a family vacation, a blissfully device-disconnected break, but I had instinctively tapped the email icon on my iPhone seconds before boarding. I had opened an innocent-looking email from one of our program faculty and read, I feel awkward passing this information on via email, but Shane Colombo, one of our first SF-build pipeline scholars, was killed in a crossfire in Chicago. I'm at a loss for words. Wow. Shane, my mentee, my protege. Shane was a motivated, smart kid from a hard scrabble background. He was in my first ever cohort of a program for students who were trying to gain admittance, persist, and represent in the health professions. I had tirelessly advised, coached, shared joys and sorrows with, and he had just gotten into his PhD program. He was just on the cusp of launching his research career. That whole future evaporated in the seconds I took to read the email. When we reached altitude, I opened my laptop and poured over the recommendation letters I submitted on his behalf. I sat there helpless thinking of the years of academic promise I'd looked forward to, now gone. This was not the first time I received terrible news an ocean away. Two decades ago, as a medical anthropology fieldworker in Samoa, I had spent weeks trying to get a long-distance phone connection to check in with my parents after weeks of trying. When I finally managed to get through from a Peace Corps volunteer's home, I received the crushing news that my father, my rock, my foundation had died suddenly. Yet the pain I felt in the day after learning of Shane's death was worse in so many ways. It was the first time that one of my close students had died. Like children dying before parents, the act of student dying before teacher seemed perverse and unnatural. It went beyond losing someone I loved. We had lost a future. I mourned not just who he was and who he had become, despite the odds, but everything he could have been, everything he could have done. 
I didn't have time to come to terms with my own feelings of loss as his long-term teacher and mentor. I thought I'd be healed in so many different ways. I thought the moment of final healing would be that dance recital with a moving solo tribute finale his fiancée choreographed and performed. But it wasn't. I thought the denouement would be the funeral I attended, Shane's funeral, a loving and intimate ceremony with family and friends, one sun-drenched Southern California afternoon in a chapel perched on a cliff overlooking the deep blue Pacific Ocean where Shane spent his childhood. But it wasn't. I just felt like I was put on mute. Or maybe I put myself on mute. The next years were spent mourning. And it wasn't the things I did. You know, I didn't wake up sobbing. I didn't have nervous breakdowns. Didn't feel like I needed to take time off. I didn't lose weight, although I wish I had. I didn't have fevers or night sweats. But mourning probably most manifests when I look back and reflect in the things that I didn't do. Things that I couldn't do. Like when the phone chimes and I see it's Daniel texting again. Daniel was one of Shane's classmates and buddies who had also mentored back in that first group of fine-line students I supervised. Daniel had done well working in a lab that focused on resistance to malaria drugs. I had advised that he get more training in public health as he contemplated a career in medicine. Hey, Peter, my brother, I'm back in the Bay living in Berkeley. If you have time in the coming days or weeks, I'd love to catch up, man. You know what? It took me a super long time to respond, and all I could type out was something like, Sounds great, man. We'll get back to you. And you know what? I never did get back to Daniel. I just couldn't bring myself to. And then there were scores of other Daniels, other student emails I didn't respond to, recommendation letters not written, texts, WhatsApp messages not returned, appointments for career advising not made. These were careers I could have had an impact on. The other faculty would surely take care of them, I rationalized in my brain. I didn't have time to feel guilty because the truth is, mentorship is more than just writing letters and giving feedback to students. It's a kind of love, and a love that I'm not sure I could give after Shane. I was overwhelmed with the day-to-day work from scheduled inpatient care, teaching medical students, and doing my own clinical research. And then the pandemic hit. I had so many priorities. I had so little time. And then one day in August, in one of my many meetings with a friend, I'm telling her about my new role as Associate Dean for Regional Campuses. I'm tasked with leading UCSF's efforts to build a physician workforce in the Central Valley in California, one of the areas with the most pronounced healthcare disparities in the state. It's closer to where Shane was from, and as a conversation weaved to mentorship as a key way to have minority students engage and persist in the new medical education program we were designing there, my thoughts kept returning to Shane, and then to Daniel, both of whom would be exactly the kind of learners that I'd want in the program. All these busy months, I've been throwing myself into building this program to support the health professionals of the future. But even though my intellect was fully invested, my brain was on, I'd been holding back, guarding my heart. I'm still so hurt, so devastated by all the things I never got to see Shane do, all the things I never got to tell him, But 
Maybe the reason this hurts so much is exactly why this mentorship is so important. Maybe I could channel my goodbyes to Shane through Daniel and all the other students that were to follow Daniel. The next time the phone chimes and I see it's Daniel texting again, I snatch it up immediately. Hey, Peter, I just heard you on air talk down in LA. Thought I'd reach out. Hope you're well and that you and your family are healthy. And I respond, hey, man, sorry, I've been so out of it and out of touch. He responds really enthusiastically. No problema. I figured you'd be beyond busy with all that's going on. I finally made that appointment. Would 4.30 p.m. on Wednesday work on Zoom for you? I'm so excited. I put down the phone. I love you, Daniel. This story really speaks to me of the courage that it takes to care deeply enough about our colleagues, our students, the work that we do, and the chance of the loss that we take on by caring so deeply. It also tells me that it is all worth it. Dr. Peter Chin Hong is a professor at the UCSF School of Medicine and a physician specializing in treating infectious diseases. In July, he was named the School of Medicine's Associate Dean for Regional Campuses. There's one at the University of California, Berkeley, and one at UCSF Fresno. And in this role, he is helping to build a pipeline of diverse health professionals, particularly in California's Central Valley, which has a severe shortage of physicians and some of the most significant healthcare disparities in the state. These days, when Dr. Chin Hong isn't teaching and mentoring students or treating patients, you can often spot him on the news or on social media, educating people about this pandemic and COVID-19 and how to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. If you find yourself enjoying this podcast, please remember to rate or review the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening right now. This will help other people find us so we can keep sharing these amazing stories. To learn more about the brilliant minds taking on the most difficult problems in human biology and health, please visit our website at campaign.ucsf.edu and follow us on social media at UCSF. And of course, thank you to Matt Logan for providing his original song for the credits music. Mr. Logan helps hospitalized children manage pain, build resilience, and find joy as a board-certified music therapist for the music therapy program at UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital, San Francisco. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to Saturday Night Stories. <laughs>